Hi, and welcome to Bad Decisions. The podcast that helps us understand why we choose what we choose. Why we think what we think. And how to exploit this stuff for fun and commercial gain. I'm Dr. Mel Weinberg. I'm a performance psychologist. And I'm Dan Monheit, co-founder of Hard Hat. So, Dan. Yes, Mel. So, a lot of the time I've found, I guess, in our episodes gone by that we talk a lot about your heroes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's fine because you have, you know, you have crushes. Yeah, and that's fine. Everybody has crushes. They're all called Dan. But <laughs> did you notice that? <laughs> wow. Dan Ariely, Dan Kahneman, Dan Gilbert. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Wow. It's like it was meant to be. Yeah. Um. So today we're going to talk about. We're going to start by talking about one of my heroes. Someone called Dan. Is it no, Dan Mahine? It's not. <laughs> it is not you. It's going to be awkward. I can leave the room. If it you is want. not you, but no. he does have a lot to do with ego. <laughs> that's awkward. I don't see what the two have to do with each other, but let's roll with the punches. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about Freud. Freud. Dan Sigmund, Freud? No, no, Sigmund Freud. Good the old Sig. good old Sigmund Freud, grandfather of psychology, really. Yeah. And just, Sorry, in 2019, he would just be a pervy old man, let's be honest. Look, you, currently, you know, you might think of him like that. However, when you actually go deep reading deep into Freud. I wasn't going to say go deep into Freud, but when you read deep into Freud and when you read deep into psychology, what you figure is that Freud had something to say about absolutely every phenomenon in psychology before anybody else said it. I think they have the same thing to say about every phenomenon, which is like it's all sexual. He's basically Charlie Sheen before That's what happens when you don't read deep into Freud. Okay. All right. I'll go deep. (laughs) Anyway, shortcut me. Tell me what I need to know. So I'm going to tell you something else about Freud. Freud did some really good work. You know who did some even greater work? Who? Freud's daughter, Anna. Oh. Yeah. Freud's daughter, Anna, because, like, you know, all the men start off stuff and then it takes their daughters to really clarify the thoughts right. and write things down in ways definitely, that make sense. Shout out to my dad. Definitely no unresolved <laughs> childhood issues here. Let's keep rolling for the people at home. So, Let's talk about Freud. Freud, Sigmund and Anna talked a lot about defence mechanisms, right, mm-hmm. things that we do to protect our ego. And one in particular is the concept of projection, mm-hmm. right, the idea that sometimes we will have feelings or thoughts or motives that are so unacceptable to us that we can't actually handle them ourselves until we externalize them onto other people. Well, that's because he'd rather have a puppet as president of no the United puppet, States. No puppet, no puppet. it's pretty clear. You're the puppet. It's- so a classic example <laughs> of this would be a person who thinks that everybody is judging them, mm-hmm. right, and thinks that there's something something in the environment that is threatening to them. Everybody's judging them. They mm. don't feel safe doing something and actually – Nobody's really thinking about them at all. And we've talked about this with regard to another heuristic. Yep. And actually nobody's thinking about them at all and it's rather a projection of their own internal lack of confidence. So right? they think they're shit, so they think everybody else thinks they're shit. That's right. And another way that we, we can think of projection is into, if you look at um, an example from like couples. Like, for example, you've got a couple and you've got the man, because it's always the man, who uh, who is considering being unfaithful. Right. And has had some thoughts that perhaps they're going to be unfaithful. Mm-hmm. They that's really That makes them feel really guilty. They don't like it at all. So sometimes what happens is they'll project that onto their partner. And what they'll do is they'll start acting in ways that suggest that they are suspicious or somehow ah, distrusting of their partner. Right. Their poor partner is left going, wait, I haven't done anything. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. It causes a lot of conflict and it's all coming from the one member or the one partner who's actually feeling 
like they might do something yeah. bad. I'm not cheating, you're cheating. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So so we project things onto other people, yeah. right? It's part of our basic defense and it's an external projection. Mm-hmm. Something that I thought might be relevant for discussion today is actually that we tend to project intrapersonally as well as interpersonally. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Right? Intrapersonal within ourselves. Um. And what I mean by that is that we actually project our current self onto our future self. Yeah. And this is the idea that's referred to in the field of behavioral economics as the projection bias. Took me a while to get there, yeah, but I yeah. got us there, didn't I'm I? I'm here now. I'm here now. <laughs> projection bias. So hang on. For those playing along at home, this is a thing that classical psychology, we talk about projecting our feelings on, onto others mm. and kind of maybe lacking the empathy that not everybody would think the way we think or feel the way we feel. Yep. So one of the people we have a lot of trouble empathizing with is actually our future selves. Yeah. Like thinking that future Dan would actually have a different set of preferences than current Dan. Mm. I guess one of the per- people who was really uh, pivotal in this space was Lowenstein. Lowenstein's mm. done a lot of work in this space and in 1996 he termed this the intrapersonal empathy gap. All right. Well, I tell you what, I just had some first-hand experience with the intrapersonal empathy gap, not knowing that's what it was called at the time. <laughs> but I was back at my parents' place over the weekend uh, and you know how you just kind of rummage through your old stuff. Mm. And uh, yeah, it really like struck me in the face that at some point in my life, probably like as 15-year-old Dan, I just could not imagine a time in my life where I would not think Green Day was the greatest band of all time. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I had all of their music and I used to listen to them like religiously and I spent yeah. all this extra money on these limited edition things and T-shirts thinking wow. that I'm always going to... I'm always going to like these guys. Yeah. And uh, it didn't take long for me to not like them so much no. anymore. No. Past Dan, who was current Dan at the yeah. time, couldn't yeah. actually project that yeah. future Dan might think differently. Yeah. Which sad. which also- When it comes to Green Day. Isn't it sad? Green Day. Green Day, if, uh, if you're out listening to the show, uh, let me hit us up on <laughs> Long the Long time fan. So, yeah. Love, love you guys. Love the work you do. Uh, hope you had the time of your life and the early stuff. Dookie. That. Anyway, um, the, the thing that got me thinking, though, was back when I was a boy- you know, in the late 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 nineties, yeah, late nineties. Still, most 80s? of no, what 90s. sort of a boy? No, no, we're talking about like high school. Okay. Like when you're at an age where you actually can make terrible decisions <laughs> okay. uh, that ignore what your future self is going to be like. Yeah. Like I did absolutely make some terrible decisions. I listened to some shit music. Um, I bought some terrible clothes. Like I had mm. yellow pants that I was really mm-hmm. proud, like baggy yellow pants. Mm-hmm. I thought were really cool and couldn't understand why I'd get knocked back from nightclubs in them. Yeah. Uh, I had some really bad haircuts. Yeah, I've uh, seen pictures. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I had some good haircuts. Um, if we if we had show notes, we'd put them in there, but we don't, so we won't. And I got some piercings. Like that was the thing to do. Late nineties, early two thousands. Dare I ask where? Eyebrow, tongue. That would we'll probably mm. leave it at leave it at that. Okay. But the thing is, all of these were basically temporary. Mm. So that even though I didn't realize at the time that future Dan is not going to want to always wear yellow pants or have an eyebrow piercing, like it's fine. It was all pretty forgiving. And one of the things that got me wondering about is like the youth youth of today. Mm. Uh, oh, young kids today. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the decisions these guys are making are not that temporary. Like your older self might not want their neck tattooed. Mm. And it's like if I just permanently tattooed yellow pants on and was living with that now as a 38-year-old <laughs> going to client presentations, like I think it would be it would be difficult. So anyway, I understand. I empathize. And that, that feeds right into the projection bias, which is the tendency to project our current preferences into the future as if our future tastes and preferences will match our current ones. So yes, of course we would want that neck tattoo in the future because future self is just me plus neck tattoo. And I'm already happy now. So imagine yeah. how much happier I'm going to be then. Exactly. I guess the sort of key research in this space, because I like to talk about research. Yeah, love yeah. the research. 
it's Lowenstein again. Lowenstein and his buddies in 2003, they were the ones who coined the term projection bias. Mm-hmm. And they the paper is, is quite economical. But uh, as they, in it's printed on very cheap paper. <laughs> no, as in they look at it from a perspective, of, of, from an economical perspective oh, okay. in the sense that they have formula to try to predict people's behaviour right, based on yep. the projection bias. That's what I mean. Okay. They, they draw on a piece of research from Reed and Van Leeuwen in 1998 um, that big, had to that do big, big year for Green Day. That was actually, <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that had to do with predicting, um, predicting hunger, mm-hmm. right? Because hunger is one of the things that is we're really vulnerable to the projection bias when it comes to hunger. They asked people to predict how much or whether they would like to in one week whether you would like to receive some fruit or some junk food, healthy mm-hmm. or unhealthy option. Yeah. Okay. And what they found was that people's preferences were entirely dependent on their current state, right? Uh, Which means if you are hungry now, you'd really love some junk food in a week's time because you're projecting your current hunger onto your future self and saying, future self don't want fruit. Future self is going to be starving. Yeah, because I'm starving now. Can't imagine not being starving. Exactly. What would that even feel like? Exactly. Who knows? Isn't it interesting, though, how we make a lot of these decisions about what we want in our future based on how we feel right now? And we've talked about this in the context of of some of the other heuristics that's come into play in uh, temporal discounting, the planning fallacy, the focusing illusion, right? It's all part of that. Um, But this is all about how we project our current state onto, onto our future self and how we're so bad at predicting what future self wants and needs because current self totally dominates our awareness. Yeah. So wait, just to just to tie up that piece of research to make sure I understand it. So what we're saying is people got to decide, do you want in a week you're going to get a snack? It's mm. either going to be fruit or mm, chocolate. Yep. If I'm hungry now, I want chocolate now. So I'm going to just assume I want chocolate in a week. If I'm not hungry now, I'm probably going to make the better health choice and pick fruit now. And I can't imagine being starving in a week and actually preferring chocolate. So I'm going to pick the fruit. Yeah. And this is all very much for me related to the concept of affective forecasting, which our boy Kahneman had a lot to say about. And we really can't go an episode without mentioning one of your heroes. DK! (laughs) What, what? Um, That this idea that we imagine when we project into the future, we imagine that our future self is just the same as our current self, but they have that extra thing that we desire. And what we do is we fail to account for the fact that our future self is actually different to our current self. Our future Mm. self might have different beliefs. Our future self has had different experiences that might lead them to have different attitudes, different values, different feelings about things. We don't take take any of that into, into account. And there are some instances, I guess, in which we are more likely to totally ignore that. And it depends on the thing that we're, I guess, the need that we're looking for at the moment. So if it's a more primal need like hunger, right, then our desire for food in the moment is going to completely outweigh anything else. Yeah. So you were talking about infidelity before. I guess it's kind of the same thing, right? It's like, we're going to get into weird territory here. It's like, I, I really want to indulge in that experience right now. And I can't imagine a time that I wouldn't want to risk my whole life and livelihood to indulge in that experience. Yeah, I think of it the other way. If we're going to talk about in terms of relationships, I think about it in terms of what happens when people have a breakup, Mm -hmm. right? You know that instant feeling of disconnection and detachment and feeling completely alone and it's a miserable feeling to to go through a breakup, right? Mm. A lot of people are familiar with that. And in those times, it's so difficult for you to imagine a future self that could be happier or that could have found. <laughs> exactly. Or also, but, I will never love again. Yeah. <laughs> it could be guys and girls saying that. Yeah, but we get so caught up in that. And because that need for connection and closeness with another person is so primal, it heavily dominates um, our perception of future self. So it's just too hard to think of a time in the future where this could not be a problem for us because it is such a big problem for us right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know you looked at some 
some research, which is good. I, I also looked at some research. I don't know if I get... No, you didn't. Cops, do I, do I have different research music? Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass effect. Lyrical oxidation. You're a relevant mass spectrograph. Your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on. Transuranium, if you're always uranium. Molecules, spontaneous combustion. Pow! Careful, careful with those ingredients. They could explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground. Oh, that's and that is what I call research music. I can't imagine ever not loving that research music. Anyway, um, it, it's interesting to look at purchase decisions that people make today uh, for things that they are going to have or use for a long period of time. Yep. And it's interesting. You, you think that sales of convertible cars would tend to be more in summer than they would be in winter, mm-hmm. but they also spike on days where it's kind of wintry, but you get a short burst of hot weather. And the same thing happens with um, sales of houses with pools as well, mm-hmm. where you get one beautiful, perfect day where it would be amazing to drive around in a convertible, even though it's kind of the middle of winter. Yeah. And, and all even of a sudden everybody wants a convertible then. Yeah, yeah. And even though your rational self knows it's not going to be like this every day, mm-hmm. there's still clearly a part of a lot of people that just says, yep, this is a great day to buy a convertible because I'm always going to want to do this and it's always going to be like this. Yeah. Um, I think the same thing happens in the world of apparel where if you're selling seasonal goods, so if you're selling hats and scarves and things like that, a, a whole week of kind of chilly weather is not going to be as good for you as, as one, one or two cold like freezing cold days yeah, where people are like, holy crap, I need gloves and mittens and scarves and hats yeah. and everything. Yeah. Even though the forecast is it's not going to be like this in three days, I just can't imagine it ever not. I can't ever imagine not feeling this cold again. Yeah. So from a, I guess from a brand perspective, how can you take advantage? Not that we want to take advantage of people, but how can you leverage the projection bias in your marketing? Yeah, like we're certainly not here to take advantage of people. We're just here to read the play. And uh, make the appropriate move. So <laughs> I think there's a, there's a couple of things here. I mean, one as as a quick hitter is that conditions are not always perfect for selling whatever we sell. And so this is probably more of like a media recommendation where it's like being able to be really agile. And so that if you are selling scarves and it is a day where it is unseasonally cold, like how hard can you go? Mm. You know, how much of your marketing concentration can you focus on times when people are most likely to buy and people are most likely to buy when they're projecting that the, f- the future is going to be much like today and today is the perfect time to buy the thing that you're selling. Yep. So that's one thought. I mean, the other thought is this idea of taking people's motivation that is often a short-term, short-lived thing, knowing that they think they're going to be motivated like that for a long period mm. of time and wrapping something around it. And mm. where we see this quite prevalently is people turning product purchases or one-off purchases into subscription purchases. Yeah. So you might imagine at some point in time, not that long ago, going to the gym was probably a thing that you would turn up and you would pay five bucks and you would pay go and have a go. workout. Exactly. Yep. And then and then leave. And what gyms very quickly realized was that, hey, you are motiv- you're here and at six o'clock in the morning, you must be feeling pretty motivated and your projection bias is probably telling you, you are always going to be this motivated. You can't even imagine a time in the future when you're not this motivated. No, exactly. Gym's great. Here I am. We're going to just leverage that into um, a 12-month membership. Mm-hmm. Because why wouldn't we? Because clearly you're always going to want to do this. And so gyms are quite a common example, but I think what we've started to see through the explosion of e-commerce and especially direct-to-consumer businesses, lots of things that were just bought once as products and now bought as services. So you think, okay, it's a Wednesday. I've got a few people coming around this weekend. I'd like to buy some a bottle, uh, uh, some mixed wines, mm-hmm. you know, six bottles of wine. I can go and do that once or people are going to try and sell me on a subscription service where I get six bottles of wine delivered every month. Mm. And because I'm in a hot state now and think that would be a great thing, I can't imagine who would not want a, a mysterious box of goodies 
be it wine or chocolates or anything else, to turn up every month. Yeah, it'd be wonderful, isn't it? Because yeah. we are the same person month to month to month. Yeah, I always want wine and chocolate. Bias. Yeah, here's my yep. credit card. <laughs> That's the one thing that doesn't change, my credit card details. <laughs> just keep, yep. keep running that till it don't work no more. Yeah, and look, and the projection bias, like all the other biases and heuristics that we, that we discuss, can lead people to make, well, maybe decisions that are not in their best interests, but your job, I guess, as a, as a brand or as a marketer is to convince them that actually it is in their best interest. Well, sometimes, sometimes buying things on a longer-term basis is in people's best interest. Yeah. Like one of the biggest issues in our, in our industry, in the ad industry at the moment, is how much work has moved on to project-by-project basis. Mm-hmm. And I think what as an industry we're not doing a very good job of is taking all of that excitement that a client has about engaging an agency and saying, you are going to want this often. Mm. Right, you do not just want this for six weeks while we deliver this one thing for you, and then desperately wait for the phone to ring again. You want the benefits of this all the time, and that is not just beneficial for agencies. It's actually beneficial for clients to have people in agencies thinking about them all the time, not just for that short window that they've been yeah. um, set on a project for. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's that's what I think. Have you got any other examples? <laughs> no, well, quite. There was not enough examples for you. No, I just when, I'm 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 hungry for more. Well, to be honest, when I wrote these examples down, I just thought my future self would only want two or three. <laughs> Uh, well played. Here, here I am enjoying them, wishing that I'd packed some more. Well played. So what do we do about this, right? We know what sort of the brands do about it. What do people do about it? Why are you asking me? Well, I'm not. I'm just sort of putting is it out there as a rhetorical question. question. Right. And here we go. Because I'm going to struggle to answer. <laughs> I don't know, Mel. What, do, what should we do about this? Well, I mean, one thing is to maybe have a bit more empathy for future self, right? Because this is all based on us not having, on having an empathy gap, mm. right? And maybe taking into consideration that if we have this empathy gap, maybe making a decision in the long term is not in our best interest. Is it or isn't it? What's going to change? What's likely to change? What are some almost that, um, like we talked about in the planning fallacy, playing devil's advocate mm. to our own future selves yeah. and going, future self wants this. Wait, does, does future self really want yeah, that? Yeah. Is this tattoo really a good idea? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, just just second guessing that, I, I guess. Mean, which the tattoos are cool. If you have one on your neck, that's great. I just hope you still like it when you're old. Yep. So another time that we see this, another time that we can actually do something about it is the old the old trip to the supermarket. Mm. You know, everybody says, don't go to the supermarket when you're hungry. Yeah. Why oh, not? This is because projection bias. <laughs> because current self is hungry. Yeah. We go to the supermarket, we buy all sorts of things. We think we're going to make dinner for, you know, for the next four nights in a row. Um, and turns out we have a couple of bites and, yeah, we're not that hungry anymore. Mm. So if we understand that, Future self is actually not going to be as hungry as current self is right in this moment. Yeah. Once they've had a couple of bites, yeah. then we can sort of slow down, probably save a lot of money. So are you advocating stealing grapes in the supermarket as you walk around just to take the edge off the hunger and make better decisions? They've never done that. Talk to Melissa Weinberg. <laughs> this is scandalous. <laughs> no, but it is. it can be a good idea to have a snack as you go through the supermarket. No, no, you pay for it. Oh, okay, show you do. You know what you do? You go to the you know the nut section? Yeah. Yeah, and you fill a bag up with some of those nuts. You print it based on weight and you pay, and you pay for it, but you eat them on the way. Right, but by the time you've got advice, to the register, advice, by the guys. time you've got to the register, the bag's empty, but the price tag, you're still paying for it. Oh, of course you it's are. It's not stealing. No. No, just having a snack as you go through right. to counteract you know the projection bias. I feel like bias. we were really wrapping up this episode. We've just gone down a whole <laughs> different rabbit hole. Okay. So don't go to the supermarket when you're hungry. Yes. The other thing is when it comes to supersizing meals, right? Yeah. You know how you're, you're often asked, or oh, would you like would you like to upsize or would you like the regular or the large, right? And me, because I'm somebody who loves to eat with my eyes, mm. right? I'm like, oh, my God, I'm starving. Like, I want the large. Yeah. I never need the large. Mm. Never. Never need it. So what's your advice? Don't order the large. It's profound. <laughs> <laughs> Don't always get the large, right? I think we've really gone deep on this episode. I mean, if it's look, if it's a marginal, if it's a dollar difference, go the large, and you can afford it. 
go to the large, yeah. but really you don't need it. Right. Future self is not that hungry. Future okay. self has actually eaten. All right. Future self can come back and buy dessert later if you're still hungry. Get sure. a medium and see how you go. That's it. All right. But current self is not probably the best person to make decisions for future self. Let future Especially self. when it comes to food. So let future self decide for future self? Let future self be be his or her own person. Yeah. Let her evolve and let her be a person who has the right to make her own decisions about what she wants. All right. The last piece of advice. Yeah. That when we're not – it doesn't have to be in the supermarket, but remembering that projection bias is going to occur in the current moment. Mm-hmm. Let's just slow down a moment. Yeah. Sometimes we don't always have to make decisions right here and now. Sometimes there are decisions that we can wait a little while. Yeah. And so that's like what we were saying before, that if, if future self, you know, is is a little bit in the, in the future, a little bit further in the future, let's future, future self, self make that decision. Yeah. You know, we have worries, and I talk about this sometimes with clients all the time in practice, that sometimes there are worries for now and sometimes there are worries that belong to you and sometimes there are worries that belong to future you. Yeah. And let future you have those worries because future you is actually going to be okay and future you can handle those worries. Oh, that's an optimistic way to end. Right. All right. So let's put a let's put a wrapper on all of this. Mm-hmm. So projection bias, uh, inability to empathize with our future selves and therefore making decisions today on the assumption that we will always feel like we do right now. Mm, it's a bias. Yeah. Yeah. May uh, not work out. Things we can do for selling stuff are to go hard when the conditions are right or look for ways to convert a one-off purchase into a ongoing subscription type service mm-hmm. because people will think that they're always going to want that thing. And mm-hmm. as individuals, we need to slow down, make yep. future decisions for future self. Perfect. And buy the nuts. Don't go to the supermarket hungry. Don't go to the supermarket hungry. Good. That's a wrap. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. See ya. Bye.